Hello and welcome to the 15 Minute Book Club with me, your host, David Wares. Every week we'll take a 15 minute look at all things book related, whether it's a review, a question, an interview, a classic, a bestseller, a focus on a particular writer or genre or theme, whatever. As Megan Trainer almost said, we're all about the book. So kicking off this week's edition with the question, why do we read? And straight after that we'll be looking at book of the week and why this particular book or books is important. So first off, let's get straight into this question. Why do we read? Why do I read? Why do you read? For me, I read for pleasure. I read to switch off the noise of the outside world. I I read to learn, but fundamentally I read because I love stories. I used to be an English teacher and I taught English because I love books. I put up with all the teachery nonsense of paperwork, death by spreadsheet, inane management briefings on the latest fad, because I love books. And so reading books for a living, which is essentially what I did as an English teacher, was always a joy. But a side effect of my time as a teacher was, I learned that reading improves us. Reading makes us better people. You can't read a novel without absorbing some of the morality and the life lessons that the characters learn. You can't read a history book without becoming aware of the flaws and weaknesses in humanity and sometimes the dreadful outcomes of those flaws, but also the kindness and wonder and endless potential of humanity too. You can't read a biography, a travel book, a a science text or even a puzzle book without becoming aware of the enormity of the world and just how little you really know, without becoming aware that you're just a tiny speck in the universe. A sentient speck to be sure, trying to be good, dealing with the appetite and desire and fear and joy and people and all the emotions that go to make you, but still a tiny speck in an infinite universe. The act of reading is humbling. It takes away any grandiose ideas of us being somehow magically important. And yet at the same time, it fills us with endless possibility. It enriches us. It shows us what we can be. Reading improves on what we are. The author C.S. Lewis, the the guy who wrote the Narnia novels and a great thinker, said this, In reading great literature I become a thousand men and yet remain myself. Like a night sky in the Greek poem I see with a myriad eyes, but it is still I who see. Here as in worship, in love, in moral action and in knowing I transcend myself and I'm never more myself than when I do. That's a kind of nice way of saying what I've said already. In answer to the question, why do we read? I read because it's fun. It's an escape. It's informative and it makes me a better person. Question is, why do you read? Get in touch with me at the 15 Minute Book Club and let me know. Either directly through the website or contact me at my broadcast email, which is jazzpunk101 at protonmail.com. I'm really interested in your views. Why do you read? What do you read? What, What motivates you? What pleasure do you get out of it? And you know what? If you're not a reader... Why don't you read? Let me know. Okay, moving on to this week's book review and firstly a confession. I struggled to choose a book. Up front I thought I should start the series with something light, something well known, something user friendly. So no Conrad's Heart of Darkness, no Dickens' Great Expectations or Emily Bronte's Jane Eyre. Nor yet anything by Charles Bukowski or Martin Amis, no misery memoirs, no horror stories, sorry Stephen King, no hardboiled detective novels, no stringent social analysis. 
to all of those and others might come later. To begin with, I wanted to talk about a book that was palatable, a book that was fun, a book that was exciting but ultimately comforting. And you know what, I got it down to two but I was unable to choose between either The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien or Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling. I just couldn't decide. Why? Why couldn't I decide? Well, both books create a magical world that exists parallel to our own. Both stories to delve into deep and ancient traditions in Northern European folklore, stories of wise old wizards, greedy dwarves, evil but intelligent dragons, men that turn into bears, magical spells, dark lords like Voldemort and Harry Potter, or the necromancer in, in The Hobbit, uh, dark lords who use their dark powers to rule over everyone else. And both stories are about ordinary folk who were plucked from their ordinary lives to go on quests, to fight evil, to discover their inner powers, whether as in Harry Potter, his abilities as a wizard, or in Bilbo Baggins' case, his hitherto hidden bravery, and of course, his abilities as a thief, which comes in handy. In both stories, ultimately, evil is defeated, the plucky neophyte is rewarded, and the world returns to normal, well, almost normal. The hero can never quite go back to his safe world of before the adventure. The hero is now wiser, stronger, they've been tempered by experience and the world they knew before their adventure no longer quite fits them as it once did. Harry Potter can, cannot comfortably return to living with his aunt and uncle at number 4 Privet Drive. And nor does Bilbo Baggins manage to retain his respectability in the Shire after returning home to Bag End. In both cases, they have outgrown the comforting numbness of Middle England. And in both cases too, the reader on completing the novel immediately asks, so what happens next? When is the next adventure? And it's no accident that the sequels to these two novels are amongst the most widely read books ever published. Both books allow us to enter a world invented by the author, but a world that owes a lot to previous texts. In the case of The Hobbit, Norse mythology and folklore, and with Harry Potter, the 19th and 20th century tradition of the public school novel, whether Mallory Towers or Tom Brown's school days, in this case obviously with added dollops of magic and humour. Both are children's novels read by adults. And I think this is because the essential themes of overcoming adversity, of rising to life's unexpected challenges, and fighting for what's right apply to everyone, no matter what the age. So after looking at both books, I realised I didn't have to choose. I could talk about both because they've got so much in common. For example, friendship is a huge part of both stories. In both novels, the initially fearful, unprepared protagonist is hugely helped by the support of their friends. In Chapter 2 of The Hobbit, Bilbo discovers he has been unwillingly enrolled with a company of dwarfs who are going on, on a quest to kill a dragon and discover a mountain of gold. And he's already late. As the story goes, I'll read this bit out, the story goes, That leaves you just ten minutes, you will have to run, said Gandalf. But, said Bilbo, no time for it, said the wizard. But, said Bilbo again, no time for that either, off you go. To the end of his days, Bilbo could never remember how he found himself outside without a hat, walking stick or money, or anything that he usually took when he went out. Leaving his second breakfast half finished and quite unwashed up, pushing his keys into Gandalf's hands and running as fast as his furry feet could carry him down the lane, past the great mill, across the water and then on for a whole mile or more. Very puffed he was when he got to Bywater just on a stroke of eleven and found he had come without a pocket handkerchief. Bravo, said Balin, who was standing at the inn door looking out for him. 
Just then all the others came round the corner of the road from the village. They were on ponies and each pony was slung about with all kinds of baggages, packages, parcels and paraphernalia. There was a very small pony, apparently for Bilbo. Up you two get and off we go, said Thorin. I'm awfully sorry, said Bilbo, but I've come without my hat and I've left my pocket handkerchief behind and I haven't got any money. I didn't get your note until after 10.45 to be precise. Don't be precise, said Dwarlin, and don't worry. You have to manage without pocket handkerchiefs and a good many other things before you get to the journey's end. As for a hat, I've got a spare hood and cloak in my, in my, in my luggage. And that's how they all came to start, jogging off from the inn one fine morning just before Mir on laden ponies and Bilbo was wearing a dark green hood, a little weather stained, and a dark green cloak borrowed from Dwarlin. They were too large for him and he looked rather comic. What his father Bungo would have thought of him I dare not think. His only comfort was he couldn't be mistaken for a dwarf as he had no beard. So after a late start Bilbo was quickly and kindly welcomed into the company of dwarfs and eventually after some trials and tribulations he becomes good friends with them, becomes very close to some of them. And in the, in the first Harry Potter novel Harry bonds with Ron and Hermione whom he meets on the train on the way to the school of witchcraft and wizardry. As it says in the text, are all your family wizards? asked Harry, who found Ron just as interesting as Ron found him. Uh, yes, I think so, said Ron. I think Mum's got a second cousin who's an accountant, but we never talk about him. So you must know loads of magic already. The Weasleys were clearly one of those old wizarding families that Pale Boy and Diagon Alley had talked about. I heard you went to live with Muggles, said Ron. What were they like? Horrible. Well, not all of them. My aunt and uncle and cousin are the one. Wish I'd had three wizard brothers. A later from the same chapter. He had just raised his wand when the compartment door slid open. The toddler's boy was back, but this time he had a girl with him. She was already wearing her new Hogwarts robes. Has anyone seen a toad? Neville's lost one, she said. She had a bossy sort of voice, lots of bushy brown hair and rather large front teeth. We've already told him we haven't seen it, said Ron. But the girl wasn't listening. She was looking at the wand in his hand. Oh, you're doing magic. Let's see it then. She sat down. Ron looked taken aback. Uh, uh, all right. He cleared his throat. Sunshine's daisies butter mellow. Turn this stupid fat rat yellow. He waved his wand, but nothing happened. Scab as the rat stayed grey and fast asleep. Are you sure that's a real spell, said the girl? Well, it's not very good, is it? I've tried a few simple spells just for practice, and it's worked for me. Nobody in my family's magic at all. It was ever such a surprise when I got my letter. But I was ever so pleased, of course. I mean, it's the very best school of witchcraft there is. I've heard, I've learned all the course books by heart, of course. I just hope it will be enough. I'm Hermione Granger, by the way. Who are you? She said this all very fast. Harry looked at Ron and was relieved to see by his stunned face that he hadn't learned all the course books by heart either. And with that, the trio's friendship is sealed. Harry's got his scar, Ron's got his red hair, and Hermione's got her books, but what they've got between them is a close and enduring friendship. So, both books are about seemingly ordinary people facing extraordinary challenges, with much help from their friends. And both stories share the, fate, the view that fate chooses people whether they're ready or not. The magical item that each protagonist acquires, Harry's wand, Bilbo's ring, are said to choose their owner, not the other way around. And, and the message appears to be this, life deals you a hand, it's up to you how you play it. Sometimes you're alone, but it helps very much if you have friends to share the burden. 
And yet, even if the books have similarities, the authors of the books couldn't be more different. J.R.R. Tolkien was a professor of philology, a veteran of the modern slaughter of the Battle of the Somme. He was one of the only two of his friendship group to survive the Great War. And he was a lifelong devoted husband and father. J.K. Rowling, on the other hand, while, while drafting the first Harry Potter novel, was an unemployed single mother living on benefits and apparently an escapee from domestic violence. But both were fired by a desire to tell a story and both wrote their stories while engaging other tasks. Tolkien began writing The Hobbit while he was marking undergraduate papers. He was bored so he started writing a story on the back of one of the exam papers. Rowling wrote the first Harry Potter draft uh, in a cafe with her infant daughter in a pram beside her. And I think the message for that is if you want to write, you'll make time, you'll make it ruin your life to write. And getting back to the stories, both stories celebrate positive aspects of humanity, such as courage, friendship and kindness, and both are quintessentially English. I've got no doubt that Rowling's work prior to her career as a writer, where when she worked in the Manchester Chamber of Commerce, allowed her to develop the concept of the stuffy and rule-bound ministry of magic. And Tolkien Shire, where Bilbo's from, is quite simply rural England at the turn of the 20th century. But I'm not giving you any more spoilers, you have to read the books. Really, you have to. Are they the greatest stories ever written? Probably not. But they are stories that will entertain you, stories that will make you smile. And stories that are comfortably exciting, stories in which good prevails over evil. So why should we read these books? Here's why. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is quite simply a fantastic adventure story and The Hobbit, while more obviously a children's story, is still a fun tale of wizards and wolves and dragons and a once respectable character called Bilbo Baggins who turns to adventure and larceny. Both stories present us with an unremarkable character who, when adversity comes, rises to the challenge and overcomes. Both novels show us what it means to be good, to choose good over evil, even when it will be easier to say or do nothing. Both novels show us what it means to be a better person. They show us that beneath the adventure, beneath the threat and the risk, beyond the reward, ultimately life is about friendship and courage and sometimes making extremely difficult choices. Life is about connection. Okay, so getting back to the original question, why do we read? For me, a former English teacher who loves stories, I read because it's fun. But in reading, I gradually learn how to become better at being human, at being me. But why do you read? I really want to know. Get in touch, let me know. And if calm next week, I'll read out the answers. Anyway, that's it for this week's 15-minute book, book club. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you next week for something completely different. Goodbye.